So it's just a delight to have Robert and Sue with us. They are very, very dear friends to me and Donna. Uh, we met Robert and Sue in 1988, and I was a youth pastor at a church in Mobile that many of us have connections with many people there. And Robert and Sue moved from California to move to Mobile and to work on some projects there and eventually uh, very quickly came into church leadership and eventually became the senior pastor at Covenant Church Mobile. But I often say that had it not been for Robert and Sue, we would have flamed out a whole long time ago. Uh, we were burning hard, coming in strong, and Robert and Sue really helped us as young leaders and they mentored us in ways that, by God's grace, many of us, including Donna and I and Jamie and Kathy and many of other leaders, we're trying to pass those same things on to emerging leaders that are coming up behind us. And it all started largely with Robert and Sue. So when you hear from them, you're hearing from legacy and heritage that God has given us. And we have a rich heritage. Brother John and Ellen, Brother Charles and Carolyn, but Robert and Sue are also those that are a part of our heritage. So I would like for you to please welcome Robert Grant. Some traditions are worth passing along, and I think this is one of them, the Advent wreath. And uh, some of you may ask, well, why do we have uh, two purple candles, and now we got a pink candle or a rose candle that's, uh, that's lit? And it's a it's very interesting uh, tradition. Purple is a sign of uh, penitential season. It's a time of uh, fasting and preparation of heart. But on the third Sunday of Advent, there's a breakaway from purple to rose. And that's because today in the traditions of church history, it's known as Gaudete, which is Latin for rejoice, which prompted uh, the, the the, the Christmas cow, rejoice, rejoice. And this is Gaudete Sunday in Advent, and so thus the rose candle, and it's invitation to step away from the penitential season for a moment and to celebrate and rejoice in the coming Savior. And then next week, you get to go back to purple again. But I get to be with you on Gaudete Sunday. Rejoice and celebrate. You can go back to being sober and penitential next Sunday. But I get to be with you on uh, this occasion of Gaudete or uh, Rose Sunday. It's also called the Shepherd Candle. That's another name for it. Uh, going right to the scriptures this morning, I'm going to seek to pick up where Chris left off last week, and I, again, am going to make reference to John the Baptist. Uh, the beginning of the gospel, I'm reading from Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you uh, who will prepare your way. 
a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, we all have our images and mental pictures of John the Baptist. Uh, yeah, I've tried to picture who would he be like that I, would it be a Charles, Charleston Heston type figure? Uh, but, you know, I, I picture this rough and roughshod prophetic picture who steps out of the desert and he's dressed in camel hair and he's got a leather girdle on and grasshopper legs hanging out of his mouth and, and a, a jar of honey. Uh, some people would uh, make a case for the fact that he was actually eating carob fruit, which grows in pods that kind of look like locusts. But um, it, it's also said that, uh, that locusts consist of about uh, 45 to 50% protein, and that that would be common in the Middle East for people to eat locusts. Um, but regardless of what uh, John uh, the Baptist actually ate, I, I don't think there's any eternal significance or hidden message there, uh, but he was someone who was described as a voice crying in the wilderness. He was an unusual prophetic picture. Jesus said there was no one like him. And he was uh, a prophet after the order and uh, descent of Elijah. And he was one who had one foot firmly planted in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and the law. And he was calling Israel to repent and to return to living in the light of God's law. He had the other foot firmly planted in the age which is to come. Because he was a forerunner, he anticipated the arrival of the Lamb of God. And indeed, we read in Scripture where he looks uh, up and he sees Jesus coming and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Yeah, I must decrease, he must increase. So he's one foot planted in the old covenant and one foot planted in the, in the anticipation of the new covenant which was coming in Christ. Uh, a very unusual role that he had. And indeed his message was one of repentance. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this repentance was directed uh, to the Jewish people. Baptism was not uncommon for Gentile converts who came over to the practice of Judaism and they would go through this cleansing ritual, the waters of baptism. But John the Baptist is directing this message to the Israelites, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, essentially saying, you too need to repent. You need to turn from this secularized way of thinking 
that has resulted in money changers practicing their wares in the temple. There's so many things about that age that compare to our present climate and cultural setting. And they had become secularized. They had moved to the place of thinking that by association, by virtue of being a descendant of Abraham, they were therefore in. And that all was well. Because they practiced the right things right down to the tithing of their, their, their mint. And John the Baptist was saying, no, you need to repent too and be baptized as an indication of your turn of heart and mind. And so we have this voice crying in the wilderness, crying out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now, there's something that I would like to venture to do because indeed the scripture is accurate. All the gospels refer to him as a voice crying in the wilderness. But in order to grasp the message and the significance of what John the Baptist was sent to do, we have to go back to Isaiah 40 because what is being referred to in Mark 1 is Isaiah 40. And we're going to see and recognize here the difference that punctuation makes. Because in the reading of Mark, it says, a voice crying in the wilderness saying, quote, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And we get the rhythm again. A voice crying in the wilderness, colon, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. But if you turn to Isaiah 40, and uh, you're used to it being up on the screen, I can tell. But anyway, when you go home, you can mark this in your Bible. 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now listen carefully. A voice of one calling in the desert. No, that's not the way it's punctuated. A voice of one calling, colon. In the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged place a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. I want to go back to the punctuation. Isaiah says, A voice of one calling punctuation in the desert prepare ye the way of the Lord are you getting the difference I mean I can say a voice calling in the desert prepare ye the way of the Lord and that is also true 
But what Isaiah is saying is a voice calling, pause, in the desert, prepare you the way of the Lord. So the place where the preparation is made is in the wilderness or in the desert place, in the dry place, in the place of obstacles to overcome, or in the low places that you have to be navigated, that those things are to be made straight. A king or a dignitary in that day, if he were going from point A to point B, and it meant going through a, a desert region or a wilderness region, would send out harbingers or precursors or advanced troops, if you please. They would be recon people who would go out and figure out how can we get the king from here to there safely. And so the, they would have to go out and prepare a way and make straight the path so the king could navigate the, his way to where he needed to go. Well, this is the picture that John the Baptist is giving. He is a voice calling and he's saying, in the desert, in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. It's a little different emphasis, but an important one. And I'll tell you why I believe that is important for us to hear today. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to give you two things. Because if you'll take two things away and do something with them and live in the light of them, it'll transform your life this week. So I'm just going to give you two things. Would you say that it's fair to describe the cultural setting that we're in, one of being a wilderness, a desert, with high places that need to be brought down and low places that need to be brought up? And how often we are ready to exit the wilderness to get out of it. And listen, I, for one, will hasten to say, I am ready for this to be over. I'm, I'm ready to not have to be preoccupied with wearing this thing. But what I'm exercised as I read this verse right now is it it is in the wilderness that God's people have the most glorious opportunity to prepare the way of the Lord and one is through repentance Chris more than adequately addressed this subject last week it is an attitude of heart and mind which involves turning from pursuing life on one basis to pursuing life in the light of God's point of view. That that's what metanoia, that's what, uh, th that's what this attitude shift, this attitude change 
involves. And I believe Chris adequately pointed out, it's not a one-time decision. Thank God for that day when people say, I don't want to live this way anymore. I, I want to pursue God's way. I mean, that is a moment in time where there is repentance. But repentance is something that is an ongoing, continuing attitude that's seeking to amend life in the light of what God has said and what God is saying. So repentance is an attitude, it's not a negative word. That's a good word. Everybody say with me, repentance is a good word. If you go out here on the street and say, you know, you need to repent. You get some benefit from repentance. You, you're probably going to get a little bit of pushback. But it's an attitude that has to do with the shift of, of mind uh, and heart and there's, there's a prayer that I use. I don't put this on anybody, but it's, it's one that's been helpful to me uh, over the years. And it's one that Sue and I pray daily. Uh, and it's called the colic to purity. And you've heard me use it here before when I've been here before. Because it captures a daily reset. It, it, it's a reset button that we use daily. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. It's a daily reset button that says we need the fresh breath of the Holy Spirit to move over our hearts and minds uh, that by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, cleansing the thoughts of our hearts, that's where it all starts, doesn't it? That we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. There's uh, one other thing that I, I will read to you very quickly. Um, and it goes this way. Uh, this is out of the Book of Common Prayer. Uh, you can take this and run it through your own heart and put it in your own words. But the essence of it is there. It's captured. Most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Everybody qualifying so far? By what we've done and by what we've left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We're truly sorry and we humbly repent. Turning from, turning to. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Some people would view this as you're just flagellating yourself. You're just, you just, that's just a reset. It's just saying, Lord, I am coming to the end of this day. I haven't loved you with my whole heart, but I want to. And I have not loved my neighbor as myself. 
and I'm intending to. So, Lord, give me a heart to live an amended life that's more in keeping with your point of view and your ways so that we can perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. It's a daily reset of the attitude of a Jesus follower that's constantly looking towards amending your life to be in keeping with God's point of view. So walking in with a repentant attitude and a humble heart to seek an amended way of life. I believe that that is a key way that you can prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, in the day in which we live. And finally, and I keep looking at my watch because, folks, when this camera goes off, it is over. (laughs) I'm going to read from Psalm 50. It speaks to itself. I will make a brief comment, and then we will close with a recap of the two things you can do to prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, even the wilderness of 2020. Verse 23, he who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and he prepares the way. Prepares the way. It's a good verse to underline. So that I may show him the salvation of God. So what is the key to preparing the way? A key to preparing the way is he who sacrifices thanks offerings that honor the Lord. What does, when you sacrifice a thanks offering, it's one thing to come into the room and somebody has just blessed you with a new car. And you walk in and you say, Woohoo! Thank you, Lord. It's another thing in the place of difficulty, in the place of stress, in the place where you're being told what you can't do, in the place of limitation, in the place of confinement, in the place when everybody else is feeling the weight of a plague. And indeed, it is a weight. When you come through the door offering the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice is something that you give up in, in spite of the things that you're facing. And you say, Lord, I thank you for your provision. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my church family. And I give you the sacrifice of praise. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house. There's something about a people that have praise on their lips and the sacrifice of praise rising out of their hearts in the midst of adversity that is attractive and doesn't make sense unless you've got something going on inside of you that's out of this world. You can't say, I think you're saying amen. It kind of sounds like, he who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and prepares the way. Say it with me. 
prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. So wherever you are today, if you're watching on this live stream or those of you gathered here, two things that you can do to prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. In the wilderness where we find ourselves on this planet Earth these days. Walk with an attitude of seeking an amended life which is walking in the atmosphere and with the mindset of repentance. And be a people who offer up the sacrifice of praise in all things because you're preparing the way of the Lord that the Lord may make known his way of salvation. Two things, repentance and a sacrifice of praise will help you do your part to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord in the lives of people that you touch this season. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Robert. Two things. Two things. Live amended lives of repentance and offer sacrifice of praise. And it is a season for preparing the way of the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these words that Robert has given to us this morning. We are believing they are words from you. And we want to, Father, we want to, in this wilderness we find ourselves in, in the desert place, in the wasted places, we want to prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths, that his appearing will change things in people's lives. Help us, O oh God, to live lives of amendment, repentance, turning back to you. And help us to always, regardless of our circumstances and what we face, offer to you a sacrifice of praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.